everyone, and welcome to Living a Life Through Books. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is part four, the conclusion of a conversation with Christopher Todd. Last week, we talked about nursing homes, death, Bill Bryson, British scientists, and the Harry Dresden series. This week, we will pick up where we left off. In case you missed last week, here's a bit about my friend Christopher Todd. He's a priest, a pastor, a chaplain, a nurse, a former radio copywriter and production director, an amateur actor, a ventriloquist, a blogger, and an all-around curious person. I've known Chris for a few years now, and he's just fascinating with a wealth of knowledge. So let's continue on. This is part four and the conclusion of a conversation with Christopher Todd. I've got a book right now, and it's a nonfiction book, and rarely do nonfiction books grab me that way. But actually, I've got two that I'm reading simultaneously. One is The Triumph of Christianity by Rodney Stark, and I've read a lot of histories of Christianity, but he's a sociologist, so he goes at it from a totally different... He's not like the big controversy was this doctrine and stuff like that. He isn't going at it from a theological... or something. He's going at it from why did Christianity grow the way it did? And he's coming up with some surprising conclusions based on a lot of research and blowing a lot of myths up. He says most people, he doesn't believe in mass conversions. And a lot of people said, well, you know, Christianity starts with like 12 people in 30 AD. And then at 300 years later, it's like taking over the empire. How did it do that? And he shows they've done studies on like more more recent religions and stuff. How did it, he says mostly it's family and friends and people as they are more get more into the circle of people who are believers, they convert it. And he shows that mathematically that works. You can explain the growth of, uh, of that. He does a similar thing with, with Islam. You know? Wow. And he says, uh, yeah, he says, well, because when he gets the chapter for a while there, there was a lot of Christians in the Middle East and North Africa. What happened to them? So he, taught, and again, people say, oh, well, it's mass conversion. He says, no, no, it, it, it really took a while. So anyway, and um, the importance of women that women in Christianity had a lot more freedom than Greek women who basically classical Greece, you know, we always think, oh, you know, the cradle of civilization and democracy, unless you were a woman, in which case you were pretty much confined to the house. And even the back rooms, he says the back rooms, the house, because the front room, the, the Greeks pioneered the man cave. They would have their symposiums, which of course just means a wine drinking uh, session. Okay. To the front of the house. And the only women generally were allowed there were maybe some working girls that were invited in to spice things up. But the wives and daughters, they were, you know, uh, Roman women had a little bit more freedom. Jewish women were not at all sequestered. They generally couldn't participate in the religion the way that they could in the, in the early Christian church. Now, eventually, of course, that changed. But anyway, it's fascinating. It's just fascinating. And then the other nonfiction book I'm reading that's hard to put down, and I can't remember the name right now, but it is about counterfeit drugs and black market drug dealing in Florida in the early 2000s. And it's uh, written by a reporter. It's kind of startling because you would think, okay, this is going to be about maybe people stealing opioids, cancer drugs, any kind of drug. 
there were people, there was a ring of people that were stealing the drugs, replacing them often with placebos or watering them down. Oh, wow. And then selling them on the black market to companies that didn't really care where they had gotten the drugs so that they could sell them and stuff. So, I mean, it's kind of scary. There's one story in there about this woman who got cancer and she was doing real well under chemo. And then all of a sudden she wasn't. Why would, Why did she, was she no longer in remission? And it turns out because people were stealing the, the cancer drugs in one case, you know, like out of the hospital and, and selling them to people. And then, of course, just putting substitute anything in its place. That's kind of scary. So that's that is a page turner because wow. and I live in Florida. So it's like makes you wonder about your own drugs. It's now like, you're going to look at all your drugs. Going, yeah, right. Wait a minute. What is this? It's well, like... It doesn't help that the FDA has been uh, recalling a lot of drugs that are coming out of India and China, which is where a lot of drugs are manufactured. A lot of the generic drugs are mm-hmm. manufactured over there. They don't have the same standards of quality. So, you know, recently I'm on blood pressure medication, as are most older people. A number of blood pressure drugs have been recalled by the FDA because they were contaminated with possible carcinogens and things like that. There's wow, you yeah. take, take a drug for blood pressure and you get cancer. Oh, right. <laughs> nice trade off. Nice trade off. So, yeah, so that's another one. I wish I could remember the the name of the the book but um let me see if i can find it on my, on my phone here because it is it's a very good and it's kind of scary it's very very even though it takes place in the early 2000s you, you know once somebody figures out a crime like this you know they don't generally say oh oh well we're not going to do that anymore somebody else even if you break up one ring somebody else comes up with their own version of doing that and it's kind of and there's a book about this. There's a book about it. And if I can find the name, oh, don't give me recommendations. I want to see what's on my actual library. Oh, here it is. Dangerous Doses by Catherine Luan, I guess. I can't quite see. read her. They've got the check mark that says I've downloaded it right in front of her name. Hey. Dangerous Doses. But anyway, uh, she's oh, yeah. a Florida reporter. Yeah, it doesn't get bigger for ex- some reason. I can't expand it. It just says Catherine no. something. Well, Dangerous Doses. Dangerous Doses. If you Google Dangerous Doses and Catherine, I'm sure, oh, there, there's I'm another sure it'll good show one. up. I actually read this ages ago. Conversations with Rabbi Small by Harry Kemmelman. I'm going to make a lot of recommendations. This, okay. this podcast is going to be like three hours long. Great. But, uh, uh, there, is an edit, there is an edit button, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Harry, right. Harry Kemmelman wrote mysteries, and then he wanted to write a novel about contemporary Judaism. But his editor was like, eh, he wasn't really wild about it. He says, couldn't you put a mystery in there? So he decided to... Yeah, he could he could work because he was a mystery mm-hmm. writer. He could work a little mystery in there and make the rabbi being a suspect and the rabbi using pill pull, which is the rabbinic hair splitting logic that they use. You know, when they you have six hundred and thirteen commandments in the Hebrew Bible. Okay. And but obviously they don't cover certain modern things. So how do you take this thing that's like three or four thousand years old and apply it to modern day situations well the uh, the rabbis will you know use this kind of hair splitting logic so he uses that to solve crimes and it was, the first one was friday the rabbi slept late it was such a big hit he ran through the, all the weeks of the and then he had to like someday you know <laughs> the rabbi will do this or something well this was 
I think was his return. I remember seeing it a while back and I saw it on sale on for Kindle, Conversations with Rabbi Small. And this, I think, was the book that he kind of originally wanted to write. The rabbi is taking a, a sabbatical. He's on vacation. His wife's father gets sick, so she takes off. So he's by himself. And of course, if you're a writer, he finds out he can't get into his book the way that he's working on. And a woman comes up and she is not Jewish, but she wants to marry a, a Jewish man. And so she's interested in Judaism. So he's explaining the difference between Judaism and, and Christianity. But it's all a conversational. He kind of is doing to Judaism what C.S. Lewis did with Christianity. Oh, okay. So it's not a mystery. It's set as a kind of a loose story, but each one is a different session where he deals in. And it's, it's fascinating for a Christian to see a different perspective on my own religion. Also, you know, because Christianity came out of Judaism, what are some of the distinctives? And especially, you know, he's talking about modern Judaism. Religions evolve. Right. You know, uh, modern church is not like the New Testament. And uh, I'm sure modern synagogue has changed considerably from what it was 2,000 years ago, et cetera. So, but it's, it's fascinating and it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's fun read. And he's, uh, you know, there are some other good books if you're interested in Judaism. Uh, this is My God by Herman Wouk. Herman Wouk's best known for writing uh, The Cane Mutiny and The Winds of War and War and Remembrance and some other books. And that was, he was an Orthodox Jew. So here was his opportunity as a best-selling author. I'm going to tell you about my religion. And it's a very interesting, you know, a very articulate person who knows how to write, who's not clergy, but can express and has done a lot of study and knows his own I religion. read the, I think it's Kushner, When oh, Bad Things Happen to Good, good People. Good, good book, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was that was really... That's That's good because that's one of the things that, religious people wrestle with. You know, there's a lot of people, they, they think, oh, the problem of evil there, you know, God can't exist because of the problem of evil. Ignoring the fact that if there is no God, then there is no objective definition of evil, and evil is just what you don't like, and the other guy can define it differently. The Nazis thought they were doing good by wiping out people that they thought were bad for humanity. Right. And if there's no objective standard... All you can say is, I don't like what the Nazis did. It's really hard to say evil because by what definition? But it does mean that, yes, if it, so if you take away God, then you have no real objective definition of evil. But if you do have God, then yes, you do have evil. And how do you deal with that? Rabbi Kushner, that's a very good book of uh, wrestling with that whole problem. And, uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. And like I was saying, you know, C.S. Lewis on A Grief Observed, him dealing with losing his wife it's uh another yeah that was written by jack though yeah. well <laughs> I know, his I know, name I... was clive staples and even cool. as a kid he didn't like his name so they had a dog uh... named jack and it was just like four and he said me jacksy and that was it he wouldn't oh, answer wow. anything else so all of his friends all of his life called him jack which must have been fun for people who knew him as the author c.s lewis you know if somebody's talking about jack is like Who's Jack? Oh, it's C.S. Lewis. Where do you get Jack out of that? <laughs> well, Chris, we've been um, chatting for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Brad and Julie... You might want to break this into like two or three 
I'm going to break it up, you know, because now I have several interviews. So, yes. uh, so thank you very much. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's always fun to talk to you and Brad. And, and uh, you know, uh, I love the podcast. Thank so you. I, ever thank since you. you showed me how to get to it and stuff and find it. Uh, no, I really much, I really, really very much enjoy it. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for coming here, recording with me. Thanks for coming to my home and being in this little closet. You know, because I haven't figured out how to do all the interviewing and all that. I used to be in radio, and believe me, the stuff that commercially you use to dampen sound, that it's just like foam. It's like egg crake foam. It costs an arm and a leg. You know, your very nice dresses and stuff make good kind of... I'm also chaplain at the jail, and one of the worst things is, is everything in there is hard, you know, metal, and oh my God, I can barely hear sometimes when some guy's trying to pour his heart out to me, and we're having to shout above the fact that there's usually two TVs on in each, one in Spanish, one in English, and then guys might be playing ping pong or cards or whatever, and very loud, and there's nothing to dampen the sound. No, this is this is a nice little oasis of quiet. Enjoy it. Yeah, and it's it's my little peace time away from being a pediatric dentist and yes. all of that. So it's, it's kind of like my chill time of doing a podcast. So thank you very much. And, uh, well, maybe we'll do some more next time you come in town. Okay, thank all you. All right, thanks. And that's it for this episode. I hope you have enjoyed listening to this series of a conversation with Christopher Todd as much as I have. If you have any questions for Chris, you can reach him through his blog at preacherofthenight.blogspot.com. Before I go, as always, please review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcast apps that you may use. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and also like Living a Life Through Books on Facebook. You can reach me through my website on shanazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. My logo and website was designed by Alia Rahman. She's a St. Louis-based graphic designer and surreal artist. You can reach her at aliarahman.com. That is A-A-L-I-A-R-A-H-M-A-N.com. The opening and ending music to this and all my episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavic. Next week, we'll resume back to our normal episodes. and We'll talk about peer pressure in reading. Until next time. This is Dr. Shanaz Ahmad with Living a Life Through Books, signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time 